need to cover in prayer. Hold on. He's been missing that. <laughs> I know you're wanting to do confession. Any prayer requests or anything like that that we need tonight? Specifics? Nothing? Yes. Well, you are, aren't you? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So she needs divine healing and recovery. And, well, may, and maybe favor among men, depending on, on the insurance company. <laughs> so, okay. So Emma was in a car accident, and she needs uh, prayer that for uh, healing and recovery. And uh, perhaps that uh, it helps bring her closer to Jesus. We can pray for that. <clears throat> So good. Awesome. My praise report. We always love to hear praise reports. Yes. Awesome. Praise yes. Okay, good. Recommend? Okay. Okay, so awesome. So, okay. So, Amanda, we've been praying for um, in, during prayer time on Sundays. She's one of the people that we've been praying for for divine healing. Um, and, that, and, and her faith is that the doctors would help her to, to get to a place of healing. So the doctors are working with her, and she's getting results from that. So we praise God for that. And, of course, Derek, uh, money cometh. Derek got a notification today of a financial increase coming his way. Praise God. Uh, praise the Lord. And then, of course, uh, he's been kind of stalled on getting his bypass surgery. They, they just weren't getting the appointment. They just couldn't get the ball rolling. But now the ball is rolling. So praise God for that. So big turnaround in, the thing, in Derek's world. So praise God. And then, Mari, your procedure went well and seems to have given you some aid and some help. So that's a wonderful praise report. Yeah. Because uh, we've been believing for that. So thank God for that. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into the word. We'll pray and do our confession and get into the word. So, Father, we come to you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name, to come together as the called, called out of their homes and called together for exhortation, instruction, and correction, and, uh, and uh, the building up of the body. And, Father, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you. That as we gather, you give, we ask and we receive by faith the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge that we may come to know and understand you and what we have in you better. And, Father, we thank you for that. Father, we just lift up Emma to you tonight, Father God. Father, our understanding is that she was in a car accident, so we ask that, that she find favor with you and the insurance company and all involved. Father, that the truth of what caused the accident come to light for all parties involved and that if there be any healing required that healing comes to her and any other ones involved uh quickly and speedily in jesus mighty name and that uh this situation actually draws her closer to you in jesus name and father we just give you a pray all the praise and the honor for Derek's good reports and amanda's good reports and father we just thank you uh, and for Mari's good report, Father, we thank you that he's now getting some of that relief that he needed. Um, and so he can walk in and believe in uh, the divine healing to take place. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Yes, let's yes. do our confession. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done It's been a little while since we've done our confession. We're a little rusty. Yep. All right. Because uh, we've been doing validations class. 
So, so this is my Bible. I don't think they were ready. They don't look ready. Hey, you get your Bible, he gets his Bible. No fighting over the Bibles. Yeah, so <laughs> let's make sure we know, God knows, and the devil knows that we know what this precious book is. All right. You can switch them later. If let's you all to. do this together. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. It, it is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the Word. Glory to God. Praise God. Well, we've just done the last six weeks or so. We've been in... um, Bible foundations, and we learned a lot about the Bible, how to study it, and a lot about Bible history and all kinds of stuff. And then last week, several of us were in Gatlinburg at Reverend Randy Greer's meeting. So this is our first week back in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, and um, the Lord has just really impressed upon me that we need to look at the book of Revelations. And uh, a lot of Christians... Um, Either there's, There seems to be two ditches when it comes to the book of Revelations. One ditch is um, people, especially people that, that don't have any spiritual maturity, that don't have a lot of spiritual growth, um, they get into the book of Revelations and just try to pick it apart and try to understand it and end up making a mess of it. And the other ditch is... The Christians that are like, well, the book of Revelations has to do with the future and down the road, and I'm not there, and I don't have the maturity to get there uh, to, to, to worry about the future. I'm just worried about here and now, and so they don't ever touch it. Um, and both sides of that is a ditch. Uh, we want to be in the middle of the road, um, and I'll just be real honest. For a long time, for many, many, many years, I was in the ditch of, I'm just dealing with the here and now. I don't need to know about what's coming down the road. That, that was me for a long time. That was me for a long time. Um, <laughs> and then the Lord began to deal with me um, quite some time ago, and I finally said, um, well, okay, Lord, I'll sit down and read it. Uh, because I had heard bits and pieces of revelations in times past, and the points that people made about it scared the bejeebies out of me. Um, and God, Jesus did not give us the book of revelations to scare people. You need to understand that. The book of Revelations is not about scaring people. The book of Revelations was given uh, to John, to St. John, the same uh, John that wrote the book, the Gospel of John, uh, um, pretty close to the end of the first century, around 90, between 94 and 96 AD. Uh, some people believe that he wrote it closer to the middle of the first century, uh, about the time that Rome um, largely uh, came, that Rome largely moved from a pagan nation to a Christian nation. However, uh, John clearly writes that he wrote this revelation, that he got this revelation while he was on the island of Patmos, 
Um, and we know from history that he was sent to the island of Patmos at the end of the first century. Yep, he was sent in the year 90 and, and was released from there in the year 96. So, so he couldn't have written it in, it's, you know, in, earlier. He couldn't, have written it, he couldn't have written it in around 46 A.D. because he wasn't in Patmos at that time. Um, so, so we can clearly see from the scriptures when it was written. Um, so we're going to dive into it. You've got some notes. I have a little bit of introduction to the book of Revelation. Uh, so um, the, bo- the book of Revelation is, is a revelation. So uh, revelation means unwrap the the definition. It means unwrapping or unveiling. Right. So the Greek word is uh, apocalypsis, which is why uh, it is sometimes called the book of the apocalypse. So in English, uh, the, this uh, apocalypse means the end of the world, but in Greek it means opening, like opening a Christmas present on Christmas morning. Uh so, not exactly the same meaning that we give it. Right. Okay. So, uh, so this book is not a secret. It is a book that unwraps secrets. And God doesn't want its contents sealed up. He wants to tell everyone what he plans to do. So we should study it. We shouldn't be afraid of it. We should study it and learn what he wants to do. It's, it's, a, it's a revelation that focuses on uh, Jesus Christ. The subject of the book is not the Antichrist, contrary to popular belief, or the War of Armageddon. It's, the subject is Jesus and his majesty and his glory when he's coming. So when you read the book of Revelations, you need to understand that the book of Revelations is revealing things about the spirit realm. About the spirit realm. So when you read the book of Revelations, you have to look at it from a spiritual standpoint, okay? Because John was caught up in the spirit, and he was seeing things and experiencing things in the spirit realm, and he was describing to the Christian population what he saw and what he experienced in the spirit. And so in order to describe what was going on in the spirit he had to use terms that we in the natural would understand so even though he's drawing a very natural picture he's talking about spiritual things so if you look at the book of revelations strictly from the natural you're going to totally misunderstand it you're not going to get it to you're not going to get it you have to look at it from the spirit so let's start in Revelations 1.1, and we're going to read a little bit, and we're going to kind of point a few things out, and we'll see how far we get. I'm hoping to get to the end of chapter 3 today, but we'll see. I don't know if we'll make it that far, but we'll see. So the first chapter is just basically an introduction, and then, and then chapter 2 halfway, and chapter 3 the first one, are, yeah. are message, message to the, uh, ch- the seven churches. Yeah. All right, so chapter 1. The revelation of St. John the Divine. The revelation in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. All right, so let's take this first phraseology right here. The revelation or the unwrapping, we could say, or the revealing 
of Jesus Christ. It makes a whole lot more sense when you say the revelation, when you say the unwrapping or the revealing of Jesus Christ. Uh, because when you first read the revelation of Jesus Christ, it sounds like Jesus is, the revela- is, is handing the revelation, and that's not what it is. It's a revelation of Jesus, which God gave to him, being John, to show his servants. So the whole purpose of this is to show uh, God's servants, which is us, the Christians, things which must shortly come to pass. Now, I've already said you've got to look at this from a spiritual standpoint, okay? From a spiritual standpoint, shortly... could be a long time. Is, ...can be very... <laughs> like, if we say shortly, if I say, hey, we're going to come to your house shortly, or we're going to head that way shortly, you think of a very compressed period of time. But John was... But Jesus said... Jesus was saying, I'm giving... The Father God wants you to have this message... Because this is going to happen in a short period of time, but he's referring to spiritual time. Spiritual time. So we know from the scriptures that one day with God is a thousand of our years. So for God, what would be two days, which would fall in the category of short, would be 2,000 of our human years, which is the time that we're in right now. That's what we're approaching right now. We're we're approaching. Remember, Jesus was born, they believe, somewhere around uh, 3 to 4 B.C. Some people push it as late as 6 B.C., and he lived for 33 and a half years. Actually, that'd be as early as 6 B.C. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, not B.C., A.D., A.D. Jesus was not born in 0 A.D., Jesus was born somewhere between 3 and 6 A.D. I tend to believe it's closer to the 3. Some theologians push it as late as 6. But uh, even if he was born at 3 A.D. and he lived for 33 years, that's 36 years of the first century. You see what I'm saying? So, and we're in 2023. So we're real close to two full spiritual days from Jesus's birth or well, actually from his re- from his his resurrection, from his resurrection. yeah uh, we're, we're so we're real close to that time period uh, it's a Latin word that means the year of our Lord yeah yeah, the direct translation is what he's trying to say yeah <laughs> which, which it's Latin and if you translate the Latin it means the year of our Lord yeah, it no. doesn't mean after death, um, which confuses a lot of people. So when he says... Because because it, it, it was, technically it was supposed to start the year he was born, but the they're not exactly wonky. sure what year he was born. It's okay. <laughs> so here's the, ta- here's the takeaway. The shortly, the shortly can mean a short period in the spirit. So, you know, three, if it's between two and three days... For, for the spiritual Father God, days. spiritual days, then we're still within the shortly season. You understand what I'm saying? So let me, let me see. Brianna's looking at me like she's very confused. So let me help you. From 0 A.D. to 1,000 A.D. would be one day for God in the Spirit. This is when, when about, when, about was, when Jesus was born. Yes. About the time that Jesus was born. 
we're 2000, because so we're in the year 2023. So we're, huh? A.D. After he was born. Right. So in school they teach, uh, in school they teach uh, um, C.E. current era. Have you heard that? Have you heard those terms current? Okay. So here's, for all of those that are paying attention, the, the calendar is, the calendar is separated into two different decades or two different times. You have B.C., which stands for before Christ. And when you're talking about B.C., the higher the number of years, the farther away you are from the time of Christ. So 400 B.C. is about 400 years before Christ was born. Okay? Then you have A.D., which is, Latin, which is a Latin term, which means the year of our Lord, and it's close to the time that Jesus was born. Then it went from, it went from B.C. to A.D., so we're now in A.D., and every full year that goes by, we add an one to the calendar. Correct. So we're 2023 A.D. So from zero to 1,000 A.D. is one day in the spirit. From 1,000 A.D. to 2,000 A.D. is two years in the spirit. From 2,000 A.D. to 3,000 A.D., is three days in the spirit in the spirit now god tends to do everything by patterns uh, by patterns so like um like the uh like the israelites were in the desert for 40 years jesus was in the desert for 40 days like it rained in the days of noah for 40 days it rained for 40, 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. God follows number systems. Like Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights. Jesus was in, um, the, grave. in the grave for three days and three nights. However, you've got to take into consideration the Jewish day and night. For us, our days and our nights go from midnight to midnight. It's one day. For the Jews, they go from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is one night. And from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is one day. Oh, like from sunset to sunrise, right. basically. They count yeah. it by sunsets and sunrises. We count it by a calendar clock. So going by the Jewish day and night system, Jesus arose on the morning of the third day. On the morning of the third day, early in the third day. So that would consist with we've now entered the third day. We've completed zero to 1,000. We've completed one year. 1,000 to 2,000. We've completed, uh, I mean, Two days. So from 2,000 to 3,000 is one spiritual year, and we're in the early part of that spiritual day. Okay? So is it possible that Jesus is going to return at some point in this century, from 2,000 to 3,000? Absolutely. Huh? We are technically in the third day. 
We've started it. We've started the third day. Yeah. Technically, we've started the third day. Okay? Yes, we're brushing our teeth. It's early in the day. Right. So Jesus said, Jesus said, the things that I'm going to show you, John, in this revelation must come shortly. Many times when we look at the book of Revelations, we tend to look at it um, solely from the human natural calendar. But how much do you know, uh, John was at the island of Patmos, and his idea of shortly has far come and gone. Far come and gone. So could Jesus have been taught, when, when Jesus said shortly, could he have possibly been talking about John's idea of shortly? No, he had to be talking about God's idea of shortly, which meant this was a spiritual shortly. Now remember, John was in his 90s when he got the, yeah. the vision. So, yeah, so for for him, uh, you know, shortly could be several years, you know, yeah. if you're thinking physical. Yeah. You know. So, and it says, uh, well, we don't know that he, we don't know exactly his age, but he was quite an older man at that point. And it says, and he, so there's a semicolon which means all of this is connected. And he sent and signified it by his angel onto the servant John. So the indication here is that John is being visited by an angel. So keep that in mind. And that, the, and, and, and that this angel is bringing John this record. So let's keep reading. All right. So, uh, and he sent, or he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Okay, verse 3 tells us what our obligation is to the book of Revelation. Our obligation to the book of Revelations is number one, we need to read it. And hear it. Number two, we need to hear the words of this prophecy. In other words, we need to understand that what he's talking about is, is a prophecy, okay? Um, and, and prophecies are to edify, to build up, to encourage. They, prophecies can talk about of things present and things past, but they largely talk about things to come. And then the third thing that we're supposed to do with this book is keep those things which are written therein. In other words, keep them where? In our heart. Keep it in our heart. Keep it in, in other words, get it down in our spirit. And why? Because the Bible tells us that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will bring all things to our remembrance. So when we put the book of Revelations down in our spirit, when we keep it in our heart, it allows the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us and say, hey, remember, remember uh, Jesus said these things would happen? This is that. So that's the purpose of getting this down in our spirit. And he said, and he said, and here's why you need to read it. Here's why you need to hear it. And here's why you need to keep it for the time or the season or the error or the, or that, um, the age is at hand. In other words, uh, what the message that was being given is purposely refers to the age that we live in today. The time that we live in today. See, in the Old Testament, 
um, when the prophets Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel prophesied, they talked about the day of Jesus. So they were talking about the next age or the next era of God. But John said, by the hand of God, John said, what I'm telling you has to do with your time and your era of God. So, okay, so this, so we know that this pertains to the era um, of God that we're living in. So let's find out. Which is interesting because the first thing he's going to talk about is seven churches that were around 2,000 years ago. Right. <laughs> Anyways, verse 4, to John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Okay, so here the angel says, John, I want you to tell the seven churches which are in Asia. Tell, tell them, uh, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. Who does that sound like? Sounds like, yikes. Yeah, sounds like the Father God or Jesus, right? And the seven spirits which are before the throne. Now, that used to really give me a hard time. The se- what do you mean seven spirits? I thought there was only one spirit. I thought there was only one Holy Ghost. You're right. The seven spirits refers to the seven attributes or the seven distinct characteristics of the Holy Spirit. You can find these in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Let's go look at that real quick. Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. All right. Well, really, we just need to read 1 and 2, really, is all we need. All right. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So we know that Jesus came out of the lineage of Jesse. Um, and, And so he's, so again, this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. Let's keep going. All right. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who's that sound like? Remember when Jesus went and got baptized at the That's River the Jordan? Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord rested on him. So this one of the seven spirits is the Spirit of the Lord. Yep. That's and then, one. And then and it says, comma, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Let's go ahead and read three after all. And shall make him, uh, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. So he's talking about. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus. So, so, so the easy way. So we can see here. He says the Spirit of the Lord. We know that's the Holy Spirit. We know that the Spirit of the Lord brings wisdom. We know that the Holy Spirit brings wisdom. We know that the Holy Spirit brings understanding. We know that the Spirit brings counsel. We call him our counselor. We know that the, the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives us might or power. We know that the Holy Spirit gives us knowledge, and we know that the Holy Spirit also will. Uh, when you when you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit is present, uh, there is a fear or an awe of God. 
So those are seven ways, seven. I, I personally think of it this way because it helps me to um, think of it this way with the characters. Don't we know that the, the, in, John, uh, Jesus, in John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter, comfort. He's going to lead you into all truth, truth, that's him. Uh, he said that, um, he, so he called him the comforter. He said he'd lead us into all truth. Don't you know if, he, if, the, if the Holy Spirit is leading, he's guiding us, giving us guidance? Um, he talks about, in the scriptures, it talks about the Holy Spirit bringing us wisdom and knowledge. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would, that you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire or power. And then, of course, we've already talked about the fear of the Lord. So when it talks about the seven spirits of God in the book of Revelations, what he's talking about is it, these are basically terms that describe um, the distinct expressions of the Holy Spirit. That's their terms. You know, it's kind of like we call Jesus the lion and the lamb, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You know, those are, those are names that describe who Jesus is um, and who the Father is. That's what these are. So basically, John greets from the Father God. He greets from, from the Holy Spirit, which is the seven spirits. And then look at, and then look and then at verse five. five. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So here this greeting, basically what they're doing is they're greeting you. The, the, this angel, this messenger that brought John the, the spirit of revelation or the revelation of, of John's book here is greeting all of us with all of the different names and characters. He's, he's trying to get us to understand the fullness of God that is talking to us. What he's trying to get us to understand is he's trying to get us to understand that um, he said, grace be to you, peace be to you, um, and this grace and peace is coming from him which is and was and which is to come, which uh, his, his, this grace and this peace is coming from the spirit of truth, the spirit of comfort, the spirit of guidance, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of power, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This, this peace and this um, grace is coming to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, um, who has loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Man, when you understand that peace and grace is being given to you from all of that, doesn't that just settle down in you and go, wow. You just kind of go, wow. And when you look at the book of Revelations, with that much peace and grace, how can you be afraid? But there's more. <laughs> but there's more. Like, how can you be afraid when you have that much peace and grace? And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. So he's made us kings and priests unto God yeah. and his Father. So Jesus has made us kings. Listen, he's made us kings. That's why we, that's why we confess on Sundays. I'm, for me, I confess I'm a queen in Christ. These fellas, you, you confess, I'm a king in Christ. Yeah, and you fellas better not be confessing you're a queen. <laughs> yeah, don't be flipping it around now. You know, I don't think we have a royal priesthood in that confession, but we should. Right. We should have that as I part of our confession. I think we did in the old one. I think in the original one we probably did. I think in the old did. one it did. 
All right. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. He's just saying, yeah, to, to Jesus be the glory, to the Father God. You Talk know. about a good greeting. Yeah, that's yeah. a powerful greeting. All right. Verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which, which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so. Now where it says, behold, he cometh with clouds. He's not talking about puffy clouds that you look up in the sky and see. He's not talking about puffy clouds. He's talking about the glory cloud. This is the same cloud that went before the Israelites in the desert. This is the glory of God. This is the same cloud that that, uh, took up Elijah in the whirlwind. This is the same cloud that received Jesus when he ascended on high um, there on the uh, right before he sent the disciples to the day of Pentecost. So this is a glory cloud, and it's going to, and the, this glory cloud is going to come so that every person uh, is going to see him. Though he said, every person, including those which have pierced him. Now we automatically think of the natural that that means those that were there at his crucifixion. And I believe that those that were there at his crucifixion and called for him to be crucified that have, that have passed, I believe they're going to see him. But I also believe that this has to do with the whole earth that has mocked him and sinned and, sinned and added to his stripes in this life will also see him. Yep. Will also see him. And they'll all know and they'll at that all point know. how badly they've messed up. That's and that's right. why it says... and. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Because they're going to know that he is Lord and that they were wrong. Do what, Brianna? What did you say? So, yes, the people that have received him and the people that have denied him, the whole world will see him. And those That's that exactly right. Sinned knowingly. We'll see him. Yeah. We'll see him. Absolutely. All right. So, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega which means the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So here he declares the Father God, the Lord Jesus, were one and the same. He's declaring we are exactly the one and the same. I was there in the beginning, I am here now, and I am here to come. He's declaring I am, I am the one. I, John, who, al- who also am your brother, and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, remember I said back here that the eight is in verse two, in verse at the end of verse one, it says, "By the angel unto his servant John." Mm-hmm. We know that sometimes in the old in the Old Testament, the word angel. When it'll say the angel of the Lord, we know that sometimes that means Jesus. And this, and this angel, this messenger, is, is declaring um, the Father God and declaring Jesus. It, it kind of sounds like maybe that angel is Jesus himself, doesn't it? Right. Maybe. Because, well, he just said, he, look, at verse nine, look at verse 8. He said, I am. Do you think, do you think an angel is going to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega? No, because that would be the angel elevating himself. So this is John is seeing Jesus. And you have to remember they did not in the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, 
And for quite some time, they didn't distinguish like we do today the differences between angels and demons. They just said it's a, the word angel to them meant spiritual messenger or spiritual being. They didn't differentiate between angels and demons like we do uh, because they didn't have the revelation that we have because we've had more time to understand God than they did. So this was Jesus talking to John. And then John tells us where he was. He said, I'm on the island of Patmos. So when did he write this? When he was on the island, right? Right. Okay. Um, and And it says, and he says, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this book, so right here John tells us, this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is not the testimony of Satan. This is the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is not the testimony of the world-ending Armageddon, but this is the testimony of, what did you say Armageddon meant earlier, the gift or the package? Oh, uh, um, what did I say? I got the word here. It was opening. The opening. Yeah, it was he said, opening. This is, he said basically, basically what he's saying is this is my open testimony. Jesus Christ himself is giving the open testimony. All right, so let's keep reading. Yeah, opening. That's what. Okay, uh, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now where he says, so, so now we know he's in the Spirit, he's not in the natural, where it says, I heard a voice as a trumpet. This is very interesting. Before God gave Moses the, the, the law, Um, he signified that a law was being given, a spiritual declaration was being made. How God signified that was with the sound of a trumpet. So now John says, I hear this testimony with with a voice, the sound of a trumpet. In other words, a spiritual declaration is being made. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest. Write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamos and unto Thyretha and unto Sardis. Thyatira. Thyatira. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a hard one even when you sat there and studied it. Right. <laughs> All right. And into Sardis and unto Philadelphia. That one I can get. Right. <laughs> and into uh, Laodicea, or Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. He had a golden belt. His head and well, it was his, a breastplate, but we'll come back okay. to it. Going. <clears throat> his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. There's all this debate about what Jesus looks like. It's all this debate about what Jesus looks like. 
John just told us what Jesus looks like in the spirit realm. He just drew us a picture. Remember, Jesus was speaking, and he said, and I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. So he's turning around to see who's speaking, and we know that it was Jesus speaking. And, I, and he said, and I saw seven golden candlesticks. So here's seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. So this person that he saw looked just like a person. Had the form just like a regular person. He was clothed in a garment of white down to his foot. So he had a white robe on all the way down to his feet. And it says, and gird about his paps with golden girdle. The paps are the breast. You know, remember, okay. remember uh, um, John talked about, um, there was, a, there was a, a scripture about Jesus suckling from the paps, talking about the breast. So when he said around about his paps, he's talking about the breast of a person. So he had a golden breastplate on. That's what he had on. Okay. Um, so he has on this golden breastplate um, or a golden girdle. So this thing like covered the, the, the bulk of the body of the torso. His head um, and his hairs were white like wool. White like wool. So the indication is, is perhaps there was a little bit of a curl to it. But they were white and kind of wiry. White as snow. So Jesus is now white-headed like snow. And his eyes were as flames of fire. Uh, we were just reading. I know, Jackie, you'll remember it. We were just reading I Believe in Visions. And in that, uh, Dad Hagen was talking about how people have asked, well, what does Jesus look like when you looked in? And he said they look like deep wells of love. But he kept questioning Jesus. He questioned Jesus like five or six times about, you didn't mean to say you couldn't. You meant to say that you wouldn't. And after about, the, I think about the fifth time, Jesus uh, looked at him sternly. And, it was, and, and Dad Hagen said it looked like fire shot from his eyes and there were lightning in his eyes. That's largely what he just talked about right here. There was fire in his eyes. Um, and it says, and his feet were like onto, bra onto fine brass. His feet were brassy colored, as if they burned in a furnace. Have you ever seen brass get hot? It takes on that red glow. So his feet had that brassy red glow about them. Um, and his voice was the sound of many waters. In other words, his voice was very strong and very... Um, powerful uh you could hear the power behind it and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword what does it say in the book of hebrews about the word is a sharper is than quick a and sharper than a two-edged sword in other words when jesus spoke that it was like it was like that two-edged sword was in action sharp and cutting and dividing um so he is sharp like that, um, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. In other words, he glowed with a light as bright or brighter than the sun. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine what, what Jesus looked like, what Jesus is going to look like when we get to heaven? I can certainly imagine John's reaction. Right? Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. 
And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. John turned around and looked at him, and John fell out, slain in the spirit like a dead man. And the only way that John could get up and function was Jesus had to go over and lay his hand on him and release him with the word, Fear not. Verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. You know what it's like to be laid out? Zach knows what it's like to be laid out, unable to move until the Lord says you can move. Okay, verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. How much do you know? Um, remember, uh, John saw Jesus. John walked with Jesus. How many, but, yet, but yet Jesus had to say, I'm the one that, that lived and died, and now I live again. How much you know, Jesus' appearance changed. When you get your glorified body, your physical appearance is going to change. You're going to change back to that glorified state that God had originally created us from. I heard Keith Moore do a teaching on it, and it was amazing. I shared it with Derek. It was amazing. Keith Moore talks about how that when the curse entered the earth, that every single human on the planet was skewed away from the original. And some people were skewed to the lighter side the Caucasians, and some people were skewed to the darker side, which are our colored brothers and sisters. And he said, when, we get, when, 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 the, when God glorifies all of us, all of us, our skin color is going to change, and we're all going to come back to that bronze color like Jesus had. In fact, Miss Ann will tell you, and I bet Jackie probably can tell you too, that in cosmetology they talk about the skin being bronze-toned, and you've got to figure out which degree of bronze each person has, no matter what their skin color is. Do I have that right? See, we are originally I hear a voice from back there, but I don't see Jackie. Yeah, she's, she's, down, <laughs> she's below the wall back there. So, But anyhow, Jesus, Jesus called, so th- to, to understand how much he was slain, Jesus called John his friend. Yes. And and I'm I'm quite sure that John considered Jesus to be his best friend. Yes. Even though Jesus probably had like twelve best friends. Or, right. Well, you know, no, he only or, three or eleven. That, they but. were really really close, but <laughs> that's a lot of work, right? Right. Well, I'm I'm saying that Jesus doesn't have doesn't. Yeah. He had three. I'm Remember, saying Jesus is impartial, so he wouldn't have said that, but John probably would have. Right. So, so John considered Jesus his his. Yeah, not right, Judas. Right. That's why. I, that's why I switched to eleven. Right. But remember, <laughs> but, but I got I got a, I got a debate with Pastor Mike right here because remember he only took uh, uh, Peter, James, and John to the to the Mount Figure to the to the Mount of Figuration. That's true. And he only took them to the guard. Remember, he said, "You eleven stay here, and then you three come to with come with me a little farther." So of the twelve. There was only three that he was really close to. Right, that he kept taking with him everywhere he went. Right. So true. Okay, so he probably was as almost as close as Jesus had to a best friend. Yep. And he, he was, and I'm sure Jesus, he considered Jesus to be his very best Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. So when he when he saw him and and in this in his current uh, um, glorified state, and it and he 
and he immediately fell as as uh, to his face as though slain by fear. Yeah. You got to realize that's pretty powerful. That's powerful. <laughs> and that, and a lot of people today will will say, well, when I see get to heaven and I see Jesus, I'm going to give him a big old hug. And I'll, no, you're not. You going to fall flat <laughs> on your face, baby. You no, you're, you're not. You going to fall flat on your face. You're going to be until he says, "Fear not." You get up. You're going to be flat. I, I guarantee. I'd it. be willing to bet that <laughs> nobody's going to call him homie when when they get. No. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody going to say, "Oh, it's my brother. It's my homie." No. You're going to say, oh, Lord, 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 Lord. That's if you can say anything at all. Right. That's if you can say anything at all. All right, let's keep going. I like the song, I Can Only Imagine. That's right. Let's keep anyway. going. All right, so I was on 19, I think. Yeah, yes. verse 19. Okay. Uh, write the things which thou hast seen. He's telling him again to write, write down what he sees. And the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. All right, so he has, so now John has a directive from Jesus himself to write down what he sees, what is, and what is to come. He, Jesus said, write it down. This is why we have the book of Revelations. Now, understand that when the Bible says a mystery, it means a spiritual secret that can be revealed. So now let's look at the next verse. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. All right, so what are the seven stars? That's right. So it says the seven stars are what? The angels of the seven churches. Okay, let's keep reading. All right. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So the candlesticks that he saw were the churches, were the seven churches. Now in this, Jesus is only talking about seven churches. But the seven churches that John saw are a representation of all of the churches that are churches of Jesus Christ in the earth. Okay? So there's more than seven candlesticks in heaven. Every, every, very carefully, listen to me very carefully. Every church that is called and established by God is represented by a candlestick in the spirit realm. Just don't get ahead of me. Just stay right with me, okay? Not every church in this world has a candlestick in heaven because not every church was called, set up, and established by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not every church. Okay? There are many, 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 many churches that are established by the ideas and works of men. Okay, sadly, what happens a lot of times is somebody will get the, uh, they, they'll know, they'll feel the pull of God calling them to ministry, but because of the way that they were taught and trained, they think, well, if I'm called to ministry, then that means I'm a pastor, no, well, there's no available pulpits anywhere, so I need to go set up a church. No, that doesn't mean that you're called. The Bible clearly says that if you are called, if you have a, if you have a God called office, 
God will open your office to you. He'll make a spot for you. He'll make a provision for you. He'll appoint you to a place. He'll appoint you to a place. Well, Pastor, is our church God called? Absolutely. Let me tell you how. Because ours is God called because God said to me and to Pastor Michael differently. He spoke to Pastor Michael and told him privately to himself, you know, you're going to be a pastor. I'm going to open the door, and you're going to step through it, and that's the way it's going to be. And that's all Pastor Mike knew. That's all I needed. That's all he needed. <laughs> me, on the other hand, he she gave me details. the blue. Yeah, I'm a person of details. <laughs> I'm a per- I'm like, God, uh, I need details, details, details. And I, because I'm a very tangible-minded person. And so God gave me, so over a period of about two years, God downloaded the blueprint for this ministry. And then I was on a trip, I was on a road trip by myself, listen to me, in order to find out what God has for you, you're going to have to get by yourself and spend many hours in prayer. I had already been in prayer much before I ever took this road trip. Well, I was on a 17, about a 13 and a half, 14 hour drive but i took some extra stops along the way because i was by myself so it turned out to be about a 17 hour drive for me and i was praying in the holy ghost the whole way listen you want to get into the spirit you want to have to dedicate some time some hours it ain't you ain't going to find out what god has to say in five or ten minutes of praying or even 30 minutes of praying more than likely in 30 minutes or an hour of praying you ain't even got your flesh under control yet more than likely So I was on this long, extended drive, and about the time I was getting into Tulsa, the Lord began to talk to me, and he began to ask me some questions. And I'm going to make a, I can, I can do it like Brother Randy. I can, I can make a long story short, or I can make a long story longer. It's whatever you want it. I can do it. But we're going to go with the short version today. And I was driving, and the Lord began to ask me some questions about the ministry that we were sitting under at the time. And I began to answer the, and the Lord asked me a question, and I knew enough to say, Lord, thou knowest. In other words, I don't know the answer, but you do. I have my speculations, but I'm not going to give you my answer. And so through this conversation, the Lord then said, I'm about to remove your pastors from ministry. And when I do, you're going to take that ministry and you're going to close it because my anointing has been gone from there for a long time. And you're going to, in other words, the candlestick. The candlestick had been removed a long time prior. And he said, and so you're going to take it, you're going to close it, and then you're going to re, and then you're going to launch the ministry that I've given you the blueprint for. And I said, Lord, that's great and fine, but I ain't saying a word to nobody. If that's what you're going to do, this is what I told the Lord. I said, if that's what you're going to do, you're going to do it without me saying a word to anybody. And you're going to have to tell the people in the congregation what you're doing because I'm not going to be the one to tell them. In fact, when the transition happens, they had better all better, they had all better already say, we knew it. And that's exactly what happened. And then the day that we took the pastorship, let me tell you what, the day that we took the pastorship, the young man that was ministering, his dad came into the church. His dad knew what was going, but his dad didn't tell him anything. His dad just said, I've been invited to go minister to this church, but the Holy Spirit told me that you're going to minister, so I want you to minister. And the son said, okay. So he come in to preach, and, and, and the minister looked at me. He said, man, oh, man, oh, man. He said, oh, I have a treat for you, Miss Robbie. 
And I said, oh, you do? And, he, and I know that he knows the Holy Ghost, and I could tell he had that Holy Ghost grin on his face. And I said, oh, you do? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, and you're going to like it. And I said, huh, okay, fantastic, Lord. And so, but, but I was apprehensive because I knew some things. And I said, well, Tony, I said, I know that you, I know, that you know the Holy Ghost, so I'm going to trust you. If you say it's the right thing, then I'm going to let you have your way. And he said, okay. Well, that minister, that young man came in, and he ministered under the power of the Holy Ghost and joy in the Holy Ghost in a flow of joy like we hadn't seen in years, which is right where my heart was. And I remember sitting on the front row, and I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, what are you doing? And I heard it, just like, just like John heard that voice behind him like a trumpet. I heard the, vo- the, heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord, and he said, I'm establishing your ministry in the Spirit today he said do you not flow in the spirit of joy and i said yes lord i flow in the spirit of joy he said it's going to flow in this house today and then i never know i never told anybody this before i never said this out of my mouth before as far as i know and then the lord said i'm gonna he said i'm establishing your ministry in joy and i'm establishing your ministry and authority over devils and demons and you'll cast them out in jesus name I said, Lord, I don't want that. Thank you. And I just kind of pretended like no big deal. Well, the next thing I knew, there was the demon-possessed man on the front fixing to show out. And I had to take authority over him in Jesus' name. And we did. Um, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Lord. How, so, so what am I saying? Candlestick. What the Lord did is he established our candlestick in the Spirit of God. Let's keep reading. Do y'all care if we run a little over tonight? All right. Are you sure? That was kind of a sad no. I can stop right here. Do you want to stop right here? Okay. All right. Just a little bit. We'll go just a little bit. Just a little bit over. It'll be okay. Because you got to see, huh? No, I don't think we'll make it all the way to chapter no. two. But we can make it through part We're gonna go a little two. ways. We're going to go a little ways into two. So going back to 20. Uh, remember, the, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Again, every God-called, God-ordained church has a candlestick that represents that ministry in heaven. Okay? Well, apparently, there's an angel that goes with that candlestick now hold on okay i'm about about to mess with your theology i'm about to kick your theology cow right in the head chapter two unto the angel of the church of ephesus right oh now wait a minute now wait a minute wait a minute who's writing john's writing john is writing and he told john to do what write to an angel write to an angel why would john need to write anything to an angel Generally, the angels are the can ones that tell, read? I tell us that. Can angels read? Generally, angels are the ones that tell us stuff from God, not the other way around. The word angel, the word angel means a special messenger of God, or a special messenger. So do you know that demons are angels? In the regard that they're a messenger of Satan. Did you know that? So he said, right onto the 
messenger, right onto the special messenger of the church of, or, or onto the messenger of the church of Ephesus, right? When Pastor Mike and I stand in the pulpit, what are we doing? We're giving you a message from the Father. So in this case, the, the stars in the palm of Jesus' hand are the pastors of the seven churches. Not angelic angels, but the pastors. Because he's telling the because he says, he told him, he said, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. So he said, the, he said, I want you to write a note or write a letter to the pastor at the church of Ephesus. So what does he tell the pastor at the church of Ephesus? And, and if Let's you don't, find out. If you don't believe that, think about this. We've established that every person has their own angel or angels that are assigned to them. So why would he stop at just one for a church? Now, does that mean that churches don't have angels assigned to them? No, churches do have angels assigned to them. But here, it's very clear, because remember, a mystery is a spiritual secret that can be revealed. And Jesus said, the stars are the messengers of the churches. The candlesticks are the churches. Now, let's find out what he told this messenger, and let's, let's, look, at what, let's look at what Jesus told the angel to find out. Is this something he's going to tell an angel or something he's going to tell a pastor? Let's find out. Is this the church that was uh, Let's keep going. that we found out about? Is this the one? Uh, the, we'll, we'll, I'm not sure where you're going, but let's read. Right. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll, that uh, conclusion will come to us. Uh, you're not <laughs> listening, but okay. Is this which one? Is this the one where, where I was born? Oh, no, this is not. Okay. No, that's the church of uh, Samarna. So the church of Samarna is Izmir, Turkey today, which is where Pastor Mike was born. That, that found that out today. I was, it was really, really excited cool. about it. He was so. he was born in Smyrna, yep. not necessarily in the church, but in Smyrna. Yep. So that was cool. Anyways, right. anyhow, okay. Journey. So unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So Jesus. Routinely, this is part of what Jesus does in heaven. He goes to the chamber that has all of the candlesticks, the churches. He goes and he walks in and around and amongst the candlesticks. And he's, he, he's watching them and he's observing them and he's paying attention to what they're doing. He's, he's, so Jesus, Jesus comes and visits every candlestick. God ordained, God set up, candlestick. All right. So, so Jesus has walked around in the church of Ephesus. So verse 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. These are all good things. He, Jesus said, yep, you're doing works, that's good. Yep, you're laboring, that's good. You're patient, that's good. And you cannot stand, can't even bear the evil. That's around you. Good job, church at Ephesus. And then there's the colon. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, 
and has found them liars. He said, he said, church, he said, pastor at Ephesus, he said, you've even looked at those around you that call themselves apostles. You've looked around at those around you that call themselves prophets, and you've exposed that they're not who they say they are. He said, I'm very proud of you for that. That's a job that an angel would do. Does it sound like an angel would do works? Does it sound like an angel would do the labor of the ministry? Does it sound like an, like an angel would be patient in their work? Does it sound like an angel is one that's going to maybe put up with evil? This is the works of the church. He's looking at the church. He said, church, you're doing good. He said, church, you're even calling out those that are standing in offices, and you're saying, you're not, that's not you. That's not you. That's part of what a pastor does. How many times have I stood in this pulpit and told you to look out for some of these people? That's part of what the pastor is supposed to do. Did an angel come down from heaven and disrupt the service and call them out? No. Who called them out? The pastor did. Keep going. All right. Verse 3. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. In other words, no matter what comes at you, you just keep going. You just keep going. You don't faint. You just keep going. Now, here, Jesus is really building up this church at Ephesus. Yep, he's telling them, good job. Said, you guys are doing great. You are doing really good, Ephesus. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He said, yeah, he said, yeah, how much do you know? Churches can have it all right, but have some issues. And a lot of times, I'm going to tell you the truth, a lot of times a pastor can get looking at their flock, get looking at their own life, get looking at things and go, oh, we're doing this right, we're doing this right, we're doing this right, we got it going on, we got this going on, we're doing it right, and fail to look at where they're missing it. Fail to look at where they're missing it. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came to the church of Ephesus, and he judged what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong. And he said, Ephesus, you got a lot going on that's right. But you got some things that are wrong. All right. So nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. What's he going to remove? The church. The candlestick, the anointing, the anointing. The angels will often deliver the anointing. So you can have churches that once were doing everything right, except for a little here and a little there. I read this, and I looked at Michael, and I said, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. He's talking to the pastor. Listen, we got a lot going on in this church that's right. We do. But if I'm honest with my personal walk with Jesus, it's not what it once was. It's not at the level that it once was. Not when I first came out, not when I first got born again. I, I have a habit of getting caught up with the affairs of life and getting caught up with the administration side of the church that I don't necessarily spend the time in prayer that I once spent with the Lord Jesus. I don't necessarily spend the time 
you know, I get, you know, I'm human just like everybody else. I can go through my day, and at the end of the day, I know that I need to go spend time in prayer. I know that I need to go spend time to study. I know that when I was young in the Lord, I didn't care how tired I was. I, there were some nights when I was young in the Lord, I would stay up in prayer all night long and not get a wink of sleep and go on the next day and do a full day and never be tired. I mean, I would. I, I mean, I'd go to bed, I'd sleep a cut two or three hours, and the Spirit of God would stir me, and I'd get up, and I'd go get in the living room and get on my hands before the Lord and pray until the sun came up. I can tell you that I'm not, I've not done that in quite some time. So I'm guilty of not keeping my first love. And if I'm not careful, if I don't repent and begin to get back to those things, then I'm in danger of God pulling our candlestick out of the out of heaven, pulling the anointing, and then we become a dead church. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. So could he be talking? Could he be talking to the angel? He said, "Write to the angel that you left your first love." Could he possibly be talking to an angel? No. No. They don't, they're, they're, they're servants. It's a, it's a service of, you know, we are a servants of will. They're a servant of duty. So how could he possibly be talking to, how could John possibly be writing to an angel of heaven? He's not. He's writing to the pastors. He's writing to the pastors. So what are the stars in Jesus' hand? They're the pastors. Now, now, now Je- is, Jesus is saying he's going to, he, that if they don't turn around, and 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 repent that he that he's gonna gonna remove their anointing. Now he's not threatening them. This is a warning. This is a warning. This is the grace of God telling them, "Hey, you're making a mistake. Get it right." Right. Right. He said, "Repent, fix it, make the adjustment." I said, "Oh Lord, I'm making the adjustment." Why? Because he said, you can't do what I've called you to do if you don't have the candlestick, if you don't have the anointing, if you don't have the power, if you don't have the stamp of heaven, you're not going to be effective. So repent. So this is the first church. All right. And I think we probably... And, and these, just one more verse. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> one, one more verse. So so he just, now he just warned them, and just to take the edge off a little bit, now he compliments them again. He says, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicoltians. Nicoltians. I keep wanting to call them Nickelodeons, but I know that's not right. <laughs> Nicolaitans, <laughs> right? Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So, so he he said, "Hey, you know, you got you got a lot of stuff right, and you got this wrong. But you, what I really like is that you don't like those guys." So, who were the Nicolaitans? The Nicolaitans were a sect of Jews. So we could say a group of Christians that claimed to be Christians, but yet they served Satan. They did idol worship. They were fornicators. They were adulterers. They were partiers. They were basically hypocritical Christians serving the flesh instead of serving God. And Jesus said, you know, you hate those. And let me tell you something. I do hate those. I hate those hypocritical churches. I hate them. And, and the why? Pattern. Because they're, li- they're, they're leading fellow Christians yeah. astray. That's why. Because they're, they're doing damage them, to the body of Christ. They're teaching them that it's okay to sin when... Uh, you know, because Jesus already died for their sins. Sound familiar? So we'll finish going through the other six churches next week. We'll see how far we get. I knew I was pushing hard to get as far as I did, but 
I, I wanted to get, I wanted to make the point uh, who he's talking to here, um, and we'll go through the other six churches. Now, here's why they represent why he pulled seven churches, because these seven churches represent all of the churches. You can find these seven churches throughout the entire world. And you'll you can, find, you can find churches. You can find portions of these seven churches in any church. Yes. Yes. You know, and I say, well, he's calling out the pastor, but how much do you know? He's not just looking at the pastor. He's looking at y'all, too. So he's walking around, and he's saying, you're doing this right, you're doing this right, you're doing this right, but you've left your first love. Ooh, Jesus, let me get back to that. Let me repent. Let me get right. So don't just, don't just look at it and go, well, he's talking to the pastor. I'm off the hook. Don't do that. That would be, that's a bad plan, man. Well, no, no, I think, I think some people would appreciate that plan. <laughs> like, what the heck? No, Oh, yeah, no, I don't no, have to no, worry no. about it. It's their fault. He's just going to hold the pastor accountable <laughs> first. He's going to talk to the pastor first, and then he'll talk to you. <laughs> Glory to God, praise the Lord, well, tithes and offerings. It's good to give in the house of God. You want to bless the offering? Oh, well, Lord, we thank you for this word we've received. We, we receive it with gladness and singleness of heart. It gets, it, we will meditate on this word, and it will get de- down deep on the inside and grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we know that this, that this word is, is an opening, a revelation, a, an unwrapping of the true greatness of Jesus and, the, and his second coming. And it's a warning also. It's a warning to the churches that, hey, you need to get it right. Or yes. Else thank you, Lord. There's going to be problems. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, And, Father. Lord, we thank you for this warning. We thank you for this revelation. We thank, thank you, you for, for uh, opening your knowledge to us. And we, we, uh, we just want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven, thank Lord. You, because, hey, you bless us left and right, and you've blessed us over and over and over again. And we just love you, Lord. And, and we just want to give unto your kingdom. So we do. Thank you, Father. Lord, we ask that you bless our offering, that you bless it so that it will go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your kingdom and the doing of your work here on earth. Lord, we also ask that that for our offering that that you bless us, not because we expect a return, but because we can become a greater blessing. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for watching out over us and giving us peace and happiness and 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 favor among men and lord just watch over us through the week in jesus name glory to god thank you father thank you father amen and amen thank you father we receive your good word tonight in jesus mighty name glory to god well we've got a prayer for the nation saturday at eight o'clock in the morning Uh, i know it's early but we can put the flesh down for one hour and pray for our nation so if you can make it, yeah, make it um, Sunday morning. We'll have pictures from Miss Kathy's trip to Israel. It's been hot, but she 